Greetings, my name is Michael Kilagal, and today we have an interview with a marvelous person, Chris Bradshaw. Now, I've known him for, well, all the time that I've been in China, which is my whole life, and I, I found out that Chris is a medical profession, of a teaching profession, and of course of music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he knows quite a lot of stuff. Now, I don't know about that. Uh, well, now, let's start at the beginning. First off, I know that you were born in the UK. Could you tell us where exactly? Well... Um, it's quite a small place, uh, the United Kingdom. I was born in a in the southwest of England, um, in a place called Bath, B A T H, which is a an ancient Roman city, uh, spa town, and is the cleanest city in the whole of the United Kingdom because it's called Bath. <laughs> well, I learned that you've travelled the whole world, the globe. Could you tell us where you've been? You're very kind. I think you're far too nice. You're, you're, you're using a lot of hyperboles here. Uh, I haven't travelled all the world. I've travelled. I've been very lucky to travel to a lot of places. Um, I've gone to uh, well, America and um, the West Indies and uh, North Africa, South Africa, India, all across India. My favourite country, mm -hmm. India. All of Southeast Asia, um, a lot of Europe. I've been up through Russia when I took the train um, from China to Russia. Yeah, because I don't like flying really. I, I, it's just not an adventure really being so far up. So I did that from Japan to England overland. What do you think are the most striking stereotypes people have about the British people? And uh, which of them are country specific? You know, I've got to say, stereotypes are... I mean, we can have a bit of fun with them, right? But I think there are also a lot of... I think a lot of our problems in the world come from these stereotypes as well. Thinking that because you're from somewhere, you're going to think this and do this and be like this. The stereotype for a British person, I've been away so long, I don't know anymore, Mike. I really don't. Oh, the classic. In, um, in China over the years, if you mention many times, actually, so it must be a stereotype, uh, that you're from England, uh, the first response would be, ah, English gentleman. And of course, to that, yeah, maybe I am, but maybe not all people from England are, are gentlemen. Yeah. So you've got to be careful with the stereotypes. So, so not all of them are that true, yeah? I'd say probably most of them are mm -hmm. just there for, for comedy. Mm -hmm. But sadly, now they, they're not for comedy. They, they divide and um, they segregate and they cause a lot of problems. So, um, yeah, we try to see the humour in it. But I think we've got to be careful with stereotypes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. Well, could you tell us about your childhood? What was your life like in Bath? You know, you're, people in the north of England call it Bath. Uh -huh. People in the south of England call it Bath. Uh -huh. People in the north of England think we're posh, so we say R with our A's. And people up north, they say Bath. So you're kind of, you've got a kind of northern accent. I can see I'm stereotyping you. What was it like growing up? Parents split up when I was four. Mm -hmm. So uh, I had two worlds. So I was with my mum most of the time growing up and my, and my stepfather and, um, and then my two sisters that came along and then my father I go into his world for like holidays and my mum always used to say my dad used to get the best bits and she always used to get the tough bits which I can understand yeah. moved around a lot of different places between Bath outside of Bath I, I must have had like 13 different bedrooms because I remember whenever I got a new bedroom because we used to rent a lot of houses I've become this interior designer and uh, think about where the furniture would go. And it's quite funny actually reflecting on that because I do like design. 
my my dream is to build my own house. Wow. Yeah, I don't think I've ever told you that. I'd like to build that, yeah. Yeah. Myself. The question is, where would you like to build it? Of course, now soon, maybe when you're older, we can build a house, put it on wheels or on, on wings, and fly it out if it hasn't got COVID. Or on a ship. On a ship, yeah. Yeah, where would you like to build your house? Somewhere with a lot of snow, with a, with a lot of trees. Forest. Yeah, like in Siberia. Yeah, well, you can't get better than a Siberian forest, Mike. Beautiful. Uh, but it could be cold, yeah. I like, yeah. See, I love why I love being in China is I love the... We're in the subtropics, uh -huh. so I love the ability to not have to wear too much yeah. tops and this and that. And I do think the sun is really important for us. I think a lot of studies show yeah. that the vitamin D that it can create on, the, you know, when it reacts yeah. with the skin. I like have two actually. One, one somewhere up north and somewhere, somewhere yeah, yeah. in the middle with the palm trees like that now down here. You can go between the two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that is the way to do it, isn't it? Or you can, like you say, you can move it up and yeah, down. Yeah. I've never been in the UK, as you, you're going to add, let alone study there. Uh, now, could you please tell us what a British school is like from the inside? Mm. I can't, actually, because uh, they're so diverse. I mean, this mm. we have, you know, private schools, public schools, public schools boarding schools, grant-maintained schools, church CV village schools, and I actually went to quite a few. I went to a lot of different schools. I went to a really posh boarding school, against my will, when I was eight. I never forget when my mum and dad drove away that time. I was left in Chestnut House in Eggley, which is the small prep school for um, for Millfield, which is a massive school. But interesting looking back, you had to shine the shoes every night and you're in a room with like, I don't know, 20 other boys, you've got your single beds. And just a quick story, when I was there, um, the person sleeping next to me, um, a boy called Fraser, Fraser Suness was the son of Graham Suness, who was the manager of my team, which football team, Liverpool, mm -hmm. which I'm infatuated with. I had like John Barnes was my best, someone I really looked up to, um, a black footballer, half Jamaican, half British, brilliant player. His, um, the, the manager of Rangers' son was sleeping next to me on the other bed. And the very next year, I met uh, his father because he came down to pick him up on a helicopter. I mean, this is how ridiculous this, this school was, you know, it's for a lot of rich children who have like um, maybe 13 brothers, you know, people from Nigeria and stuff, and they don't have time to look after them, so they put them in boarding school. And uh, he came down and picked him up on a helicopter once. Anyway, guess who became, because Graham Suness was a brilliant midfielder for Liverpool, guess who became the new manager of Liverpool the very next year after I left? Graham Suness. I mean, quite interesting, so I wish I stayed on. Could have got some free tickets. Um, so I went to village school as well, small school in Cologne, lovely place, because you could go out with your mates on your bikes and, you know, I think like mum wouldn't worry about safety or anything like that. That was nice, go into the woods and play guns and all that stuff you do as boys. So I enjoyed that growing up in the village and I often wish my boys could have that environment more um, than just this built up, concrete, um, commercialised form of decadence which seemingly developing countries want to uh, copy from the West. I can't quite understand it really but yeah, feet off the floor, not much connection with earth and nature. I, I think it's starting to take its toll on the world and um, mentally as well, health and well-being wise. I think we need to get back to our, as they say, to our roots mum. Uh, well you said you were in a lot of schools. How did you study there? Were you a good student? Mm. Yeah, I was actually, Mike. Yeah, I was a good student. I, I wouldn't say um, I used to get into trouble. 
you know, caused a few problems, but I always enjoyed school. I enjoyed friends and social circles and all subjects. I enjoyed all subjects. Yeah, well, you said you, you, you loved all subjects, but was there, was there at least one subject that you really didn't like, for example, the bad teacher? <sighs> yeah, Mr. Joachim. Sorry if he's listening. I'm sure he won't be, but you never know. Mr. Joachim was a Hungarian art teacher, very strong mm -hmm. accent. And I think he, from my reasoning, the word on the street, because you know there's word on the school mm -hmm. street, that he had a bit of trouble in the war and he had a hard life growing up. Mm -hmm. And I feel for him for that. But the classroom, I don't know if that was a byproduct. He was very strict, very... Somewhat, you know when you think of art, Mike? Do you like art? Yeah. Everyone should like art. It's art. I mean, it's... You can be your full creative self. Unless there's a teacher that's very, you know, yeah, you have to do this and this and they don't allow you to go to... But he was someone that quite possibly deflated my want to do art in a big way through school. Well, you said uh, when you were little you didn't really want to do art anymore because the bad teacher. Was there anything that you really wanted to be when you grew up? First was a footballer. Uh. Second was a doctor. Mm. I think the doctor thing was more, you know, mum and dad and your adults. Mm. Oh, if you thought about being a doctor, very good job, good money, get to help people. But you see, there's the thing. I never had really a strong... In Inclination, inclination, to apologise, to want to be a career, a job. Do we go to school just so we can come out and get a job? Is that what school's about? What do you think? Not exactly, because you, you learn about life, not just about a single subject. Yeah, that's how it should be. Mm. And, you know, really, when you leave school, does your education finish? Of course not. No. In a way, school should be, what's that John Dewey quote, preparation. Yeah. What's that saying? I'm terrible at sayings. Yeah. Education's not preparation. Education is for life, uh. not just preparation for it, I think. Something like that. But the point is that we still learn when we leave school. And so I think, in answering your question, I like to say this. School should all be about finding your, I call it, mojo. Mm. What, what, what have you got that's innately Mike? So when, I, when you asked me what I wanted to be, you know, I really don't think school helped me with that at all. And it's taken me really till now in my later years. And you reflect back and you think, well, I wish, wish I knew that. I know it's in hindsight, but I wish I would have studied that. Because when I went to university and that, like, I didn't really know what I wanted to study. And that's just not good enough. You should come out of school really knowing what you want to add extra now for university. And I'm, I'm certainly not the only one. I think a lot of you know, students 16 to 18 come out very miffed about where they want to go. Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm teaching now, that's my full-time career now. Mm -hmm. So it's something that I've become quite passionate about and I really see it from the ground level up. And what well, if you could go back in time and meet, your, meet yourself when you're about 13 years old? Mm. What advice would you give yourself? What would you tell? What would you mm. tell Mike, you're asking some some bombs of a question. I mean, these are these are big questions here. <sighs> what would I say when I was thirteen? That's your age, right? I'm just putting myself in your position, thinking what it must be like being in your head now, interviewing someone like me when I was thirteen. Of course, we wouldn't have had all this equipment and that yeah. now. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> 
So, uh, do you know what, Mike? I don't think I'd say anything. Because when you ask questions like that, when people ask questions like that, you think about maybe regrets. Like in hindsight, what I'd have done. Tell you what I'd say to myself, Chris, yes, Chris. Have you thought about learning Mandarin, Chris? What's Mandarin? It's what they speak in China. Ah, I speak in French and German. I know, but trust me, speak Mandarin instead. Of course, none schools in England were doing Mandarin back then. What, in the 90s, early 90s? Now they are. So I missed out on that one. Well, uh, I know that you, you like to play musical instruments. You are a person of music. Uh, did your interest in music begin at a young age or not? Right. Now, I like to play music, but I certainly wouldn't say I'm a, a very good uh, musician, uh, that's for sure. I'm self-made, self self-designed, so there's a lot of errors and, you know, unique kind of things that need tweaking. Whatever house I was in, there wasn't much um, music. You know, my dad didn't play an instrument, my mum didn't. If anything, it was just like what songs they put on in the car when we were going on. I always remember Bob Dylan, The Joker Man, that was a nice song, Mum always said that was one of my favourite songs. Sade, um, which was uh, really nice, you should listen to some Sade, very nice voice. Tracy Chapman, Tracy Chapman's really good as well. Oh, that was it, they tried to make me play the piano when I was at that school I told you about. I was an old lady and she used to tell me to think of mouse under, mice under my hands when I was on the keys, and I just didn't take to it. Well, maybe it was oranges, actually. Oranges? Really? Yeah. Right. Oranges under Maybe a small orange, like a tangerine? Yeah, I say a big orange. Up here. So it was in Japan, really, when I went to Japan to teach, um, quite some years ago now. The um, music teacher gave me a... I, maybe I can show, show it to you later. Uh, gave me a, a, a guitar and I, I got a book, um, How to Learn the Guitar, a small book, and I started from there. You learned it yourself? And I've learned it myself. And... Um, and then I started writing songs and yeah, this whole other part of me came out. And, and actually, again, I mean, I have many things to thank about living here in China with you. Um, it really allowed me the space, the creative space to spend time putting my songs together and actually, you know, as you know, performing them live. And, and that's um, done well. I think we've, we've um, had a really good time with my band and, uh, and had a lot of fun with other people as well at the same time. So that's what it's about. Well, I also know that you're connected with medicine. Uh, you can tell us a bit more about that. Right, well, medicine, so the medicine bit comes from many years ago when I had Zach, my first son. I started working in partnership with um, Jang Busher, Professor Jang, who owns the health clinic over the, in the community here. And I really came in on the angle that I was very interested in traditional Chinese medicine. But I, I come in it very much... Uh, in a non-traditional, non-allopathic yeah. kind of way, more holistic. Um, I'm also very interested in, actually I went to India and did some studies on human energy fields. Mm -hmm. That's how I started and China of course is very open to this kind of thing. They talk about qi, they also talk about fields, you have the, 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 the qigong and the, and the tai chi. Um, they're into that understanding of the holisticness of health. And so that's how I got interfaced with Mr. Jang and it ended up me learning a lot and snowballing to a point where the international medical services say 10 years ago was not good not good enough so we set up a clinic an international clinic and um yeah we got a couple of doctors in 
and uh, we put a lot of different health programs and services on. I, I trained to be a health coach at the time, helping with people's health and well-being goals, your diet and um, your exercise and, and mentality as well, your mental approach. Uh, and that went great. And then as anything in China and in, in these this kind of thing happens one minute minute you go to a restaurant with your dad and you have a good time and then the next month you go to the same restaurant and have another good time and it's no longer there what's there now is a clothes shop or um, a bijo shop or um, something like this everything's changing and um, they got into that they changed the leadership it all fell on its head um, I did form a health consultant company, but it was very tough up and down. And, and for my children, which I have four of now, uh, I needed a more stable income here. And so uh, by hook or crook, I ended up going full time into education. Well, you're talking about healthy diet uh, and uh, mm. yeah, when you're a medical consultant. Could you tell us more about health your, coach? Yeah, yeah, health coach. Uh, could you tell us more about your and I have a healthy lifestyle, like healthy diet? Yeah. Um, Okay, yeah good, yeah, good question. Uh, well, first of all, I think everyone's different. Mm -hmm. So the things I found for me might not be for you, and they might not be for your friend. And so I think, as I always say, life is like an experiment. And actually, we're all scientists, whether you like it or not. We're all experimenting every day in this physical reality. Discipline's really important, mm. you know? I think discipline is everything and that works in food it works in your job it works in sport it also kind of works in marriage and stuff as well so i would say my healthy self is probably not the best now because i have four children and uh and we have full-time jobs and life's quite stressful at the moment yeah so what i do is let's talk physical i get up at 5 30 in the morning mm -hmm. i take my shoes off i go down to the ground i stand on the ground i do a bit of yoga some push-ups, I go for a run quickly, and then some pull-ups on the pull-up mm -hmm. bar. That's about half an hour, then I get ready for work and, I, and I'm off to school all day. Mm -hmm. um, eating, I think, is more, most important, more important than anything, actually. Yeah. Uh, more important than your exercise, and more important than your genetics. Because mm. people think, oh, my dad's fat, I'm going to be fat. Self-fulfilling prophecy, they become fat. It's not true. Genes have a little, a little sway, Exercise has some sway too, but the biggest thing is what you're putting in your body. And so if we're talking about what you're putting in your body, mm -hmm. we've got to go green. Not on the smoking side of things, but more on the vegetables, vegetables and the herbs. Cut down the meats. I, I tend to say, eat anything without eyeballs. Uh, yeah, which means most of the time I don't eat meat or fish. Um... And I, I think that's the way to go, especially when you look at how food is produced today. Um, it's becoming manufactured, um, manufactured, pumped up with chemicals, and is not good energy. We talk about that energy again when you eat it. Yeah, you know, a lot. Some people say uh, people that eat a lot of meat actually start turning into what they're eating. I just leave you with that. And they say. People that eat a lot of uh, uh, beef start to become really quite big and thick and broad and grunt, maybe moo. People who eat a lot of chicken, you know, they're kind of always, always whizzing around, always busy. That's why Chinese say when a lady gets pregnant after you've had the baby, what do they tell you to eat? Chicken soup. Makes you get, gives you lots of energy. Chicken's got energy, haven't they?
Pigs. What do you think happens if you eat lots of pigs? You become a pig. Yeah, well, your skin might become like really rough and itchy. And I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm joking around a bit, but so yeah, lots of green vegetables. Do some exercise and uh, nothing with ice. What's that? Nothing with eyes. Nothing with eyes. Excellent. Now, next question. Mm. Now, we are, we're taking an interview in China and we're living here, right? We're, we're not going to go anywhere else and it's not like a vacation here. Did China. you say we're not going to go anywhere else? No, I meant, I meant like, we're well, not, we didn't come here for a vacation. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, we're living here. Yeah, and, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, how did you end up here? Right. Mm -hmm. Do you know, I've you know, because I interviewed a lot of people on on the podcast, the China Jello podcast, and I, I found a majority of people when I asked that question say, by chance. Uh, you know, we just kind of fell into China. Yeah. How I got to China, Mike, was this. Mm -hmm. I came back from Japan. I had a business idea I wanted to do. I wanted to design a, a product. Um, in fact, I think I might have this product here. I should show you the yeah. prototype. And I was looking at where to get it manufactured. And of course, England, not being a manufacturing hub of the world anymore, it just didn't work out. The costumes didn't work out. The business just wouldn't have been able to be made. So I, I was looking at India and I was looking at China. And someone I know is a very good friend had a contact in China. And that's why I went the, the Chinese way. Now, I'd been to China before with my girlfriend, who was actually now my wife. Um, she's from Japan and we went to China for three weeks and then I took the train, as I was saying earlier, back to England by myself. Sure. Said goodbye to my wife, my girlfriend at the time. Never knowing that I would be back again in those few years designing and manufacturing a product here. So it all started, my love of China came with an entrepreneurial idea. Um, Zhuhai was a place where an agent I was working with, a Chinese agent, was living. And then we take a bus every day to the Jiangmen, which is where they do a lot of stainless steel products. And that's what would happen. And so the business became very successful. Uh, it was called Urban Revolution. Mm -hmm. And by gosh, don't we need them? Uh, and I used to come here for quality control, you know, three times a year. Imagine, like, I used to go out onto a road as an expat, and like suddenly it was like one of those movies, like six cabs would, <laughs> would just pull up to you, and you'd be like, um, I don't need a taxi, but of course you're a foreigner and you're on the side of the road, you need a taxi. Whereas nowadays you stand on the side of the road, you'll be standing there for hours, you know. So uh, about three years of coming here, I met someone who had a business opportunity that allowed me to leave England full time. And I was getting bored with, with the product I was making. I, it was actually a, 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 can I show you? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. You got it all wrong. The things that I'll be saying. Yeah. So, so here's one I, I, I made earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, this was the box that the unit came in. This was our original UR1, um, Revolution 1. And it was a... Why I made this product was because the smoking laws mm -hmm. were coming in in 2007, which mm -hmm. meant that you could not smoke um, inside. Mm -hmm. had smoke outside. And of course, because people smoking outside, there's going to be a lot of litter. So you had to have one of these devices outside on the wall or on a lamppost. Mm -hmm. So I sold thousands of these to government officials to put on the streets, to the councils. Can we see them around now? To hotels. In England, there are still wow. some. I, I still have friends who go to like train stations 
and they see an urban revolution bin like this and they go, oh, it's Chris Bradshaw and they send me it and I chuckle. Yeah, it's quite funny. Um, so I was having a lot of fun with that for a good few years and this is what brought me to China. So you can put your, if that goes on there, it actually looks a bit like a cigarette. We had one design where you had a, a yellow bit here and a white here, so it looked like a big, a big cigarette. Um, let me get back up. Is we got the three holes for cigarettes, and then this bigger one was for chewing gum, because they actually spend more money on cleaning up chewing gum than cigarettes. So it was a bit of a marketing ploy, I guess, but it meant this was a two-in-one mm -hmm. cigarette and chewing gum bin. Yeah, that was good fun. That was a really good part of my life, and that's what brought me to China. The next part of my life. Well, you have said, uh, I know that you've been a long time in China. You grew up, of course, in, in England. What do you think are the best and worst things about England and China? Oh, best and worst things in England. The weather's the worst thing in England. Yeah, always raining, right? Oh, always raining, always cold. When we do have good days, it's the best place in the world. Oh. Yeah? So everyone, when we have a sunny day in England, we all go out and get the barbecue, and we get back, we get the barbecue lit, and then it starts to rain. <laughs> the classic British summer's day crux. Uh, the worst thing about England is definitely the weather. The good thing is, oh, I mean, I'm very lucky to come from a, you know, there's a lot of history and culture and stories and, and diversity in England. Um, you know, it's not all the same and you've got old buildings and new buildings. And, and what I really like now as I get older, Mike, I can go back to where I used to live, um, one of the places I used to live, and that same coffee shop or something is still there on that cobbled street. It hasn't changed. Maybe the manager's changed or, you know, the owner's passed it down to, to the daughter or the son. Whereas when you're here, and I, then, like I said earlier, you go somewhere and the next week it's a different place. It's a constant change. Um, and I think that's quite, I think when you're younger, that's kind of cool. You know, because we want to be doing different things. But as you get older, I, I think we appreciate and respect that kind of longevity a bit more. Um, and I think that's what China will get to later, but now it's in this kind of rushing racing stage. Rushing racing stage where yeah, everyone wants to make as much of this. And um, yeah, we all know where that ends. So great things about China though, many. Uh, lovely um, weather, as I said earlier, subtropical Zhuhai. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be a bit different in Beijing. Right, where they're having the Winter Olympics at the moment. China, in the olden days, olden days when I was here ten years ago, there was a, there was just this feeling that oh, you want to start this up, you want to start this business, oh, we can do that. For entrepreneurs, it was fantastic, uh -huh. and I really like that. I mean, I've told you about the things I've done, but there are other things in between that. I mean, we had a, we we started a modelling agency. Uh, we did, we were doing health tech apps. Um, there were so, so many different things that I've done with different people. I wouldn't change it for the world. None of them became successful. Uh. But it's, the, it's, it's playing the game. That's what it's about. It's not about winning. It's playing and in creating. And learning. learning and more. learning and learning, absolutely. But I think now, Mike, China's become more, it's certainly becoming more conservative. As a country develops, things become more expensive, more rules start to happen, or more rules start to be enforced. So yeah, it's been a big change over the years here, mm -hmm. good and bad, um, but you know, it's, it's 
we've been very lucky and I, I thank uh, China a lot for everything it's given to us. Well, you said uh, you, you didn't, you're not making many, as many projects as you used to, mm -hmm. but still, are there any projects at all that you're working on right now? Okay, well we're doing, still doing China Jedi project. Uh, maybe we should get you on one time. I can interview you, we can do a role reversal. Ah. Yeah, on the, on the China Jedi show. So I do that, that's very much a hobby. I focus now on China Jedication. Do you like that? Jedication, education, put J on the end, in the beginning. Uh, what else am I working on? Doing a new album at the moment, not with Sun Yat-sen's, my original band, but with a new, with my friend who started Sun Yat-sen's with us. We're doing some more electronic kind of stuff, using the computer and not going out and playing, because we just don't have time with all the kids now. So that's in the works. I've done one song already. Uh, maybe, I don't know how this is all going to be cut, you can play it or something. Braid Delicious. And that song was made for my wife for her birthday. But it's not about my wife, it's about, it's called Progressive Love. It's about love progressing as you get deeper into a relationship. Love forms a new meaning, actually. It goes deeper. How romantic. Well, how does the whole process of writing a song go? Do you, do you like, suddenly get an idea? Mm. Oh gosh, yeah. Do you write songs? I used to write rhyming lines, not exactly poems, but I yeah. just think of something and I just write it. Yeah, good. Well, that's the start. So I have on my phone, like, the notes section. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll be going along and I'll just come up with this melody, Mike, and I'll either sing it. Oh, it's so embarrassing listening to it back. But you forget them otherwise. You sing it into your phone audio, or you come up with some chorus or strap line mm -hmm. that works and that's... that's like resonates with what you're thinking at the moment or something, you know, a problem or a vision you have. Um, and that's how I build it up. Do you play an instrument? I used to play drums, I used to play pianos, like I told you about the oranges. Oh, I, used I don't to... like the word used to. What What do you mean? You mean you've just, you've just, for the moment, temporarily put them to one side? Yeah. Yeah. Because they're moving. Yeah. Yeah, because when you say used to, it's kind of quite final. Be careful of that. You should always have instruments ready to mic to pick up again. Yeah, life's music. So um, for the so I could show. Oh no, I wouldn't bother showing you. But I got like some songbooks, just scrapbooks, and I open it up, and I'll, it'll be something I'm thinking about, and I'll, I'll put the title down, or maybe not the title, but I start generally with the guitar, mm -hmm. and I'll get a melody. And like I said, if I had a chorus, then I'll try and match it somehow. So I'll play with some chords and just get a feeling. You know, use some minors and some majors. And once I've got the melody, then I'll start to put the chorus in. Mm -hmm. And as the chorus is going in, the verse starts to come as well. And I think I've said this to you before. It's almost like like that song, Thank You, I made for my grandmother. I remember making it in, when we were over in, in the other phase many years ago. I felt as I was writing it, I wasn't actually writing it. Something was just telling me to write it. Because mm. it was much better than how I'd ever write. <laughs> So I knew something must be up. Things that have happened in our world, whether it's stories, whether it's inventions, whether it's songs, um, have come from that daydreaming state, you know, where people are kind of like asleep or they're not asleep, but they're not consciously there. You know, like sometimes as a student, you're staring out the window and then the teacher just comes like this and you wake up and you're in another world, right? So I, I'm fascinated by that. So yeah, writing a song for me is like that. 
Uh, I don't know how other people do it. I just find it a very meditative process. And sometimes I like not writing any songs. And sometimes, like in a few days, I'll just be like, oh yeah, I like that, that one, that one, that one. It just comes in waves. So, yeah. But I think whether you make songs, or you make poetry, or you write stories, um, or you draw, you know, this is what all people need to be doing if we want to feel more whole, I think. Mm -hmm. So I think about that a lot because I have children and they're growing up in a different way that I never grew up. So I want to be able to touch them in that way, to show them that window, yeah? Because I don't think school does it very well. Well, let's return to music. And, you know, I, I really favor one of your songs, Ting Budong, and, and I kind enough to let us use it in the videos for the intros and the outros. Yes, oh, well, always welcome that, yeah. It's Thank wonderful you. to hear someone liking a song that we did. Yeah. Well, could you play it for us now? Really? Yeah. Want me to play it? Yeah. Wow. I would be absolutely honoured to play. I haven't played it for. You be Ting Dong, right? Yeah. Ting Dong. Ah, oh, Ting Dong. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is so. This is one of the songs, one of our favourite songs mm -hmm. in Sun Yat Sen's that we used to play a lot. And uh, you know, it's a good song when people ask you, to play. ask you to play it, for example, or you know, people can sing the chorus. Yeah. So let me go and get my uh, let me go and get my uh, guitar. Okay. Get this. Okay, well that would be actually the guitar that you got in Japan, right? Absolutely correct, Mike, yes. It was, uh, this is a Suzuki guitar, but yeah, I bought it for cheap and this is what I learned on this um, classical guitar, mm -hmm. nylon and steel strings, so yeah, it's uh, one I cherish, uh, I wouldn't like damaged. Maybe I'll pass it on to one of my boys one day when they learn. Um, okay, so Ting Badong, yeah? Hmm. Saying I've been saying for so long. 
Lucy, here we go, let's rap again. My microphone is on cut ten. I wanna be a best friend, so pass me over that pen. I'll give you a number, then put it under the letter C. I mean, in Chris J. Brad, you're gonna make you really happy. So take it, make it, feel it, shake it, and create it. Cause love and friendship will always make it and break it. So maybe we can meet up, turn the heat up, put our feet up sometime next week, but it will probably. Men and women. Yeah. 
Uh, right, what do I value? I value mm-hmm. honesty. Of course. Genuinity. Mm-hmm. All my good friends are very genuine. They're never something they're not. Okay, I always know who they are. You know, they're always down to earth, salt of the earth types. I'm not into the people that just play these acting games, mm-hmm. fake BS. Not interested. Life's too short. We only have a certain amount of time we can spend with, with people, right? So make sure you spend it with the right ones. I think sense of humour, which is, I don't want to stereotype because we all have, there are sense of humours and humour is very different in different countries, Mike, but open-mindedness to listening to something and not reacting. Maybe you might think it's rude or, or you disagree with having an open mind. And I think living in different cultures certainly allows that lesson to be learned either very quickly or in a very hard way. So I think being open-minded and very genuine, honest are the things. And of course, kindness comes clearly with that. Yeah. We don't like unkind people, do we? Mm. Yeah. Well, I know you're, uh, you said it actually, you're a father of four children, yes. That, that, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Could you please tell us from your height of fatherly experience, how would you, how would you say is the best way to bring up children? I have absolutely no idea. I think as parents and all parents out there, you can read books and speak to fellow fathers and parents and go to conferences, online conferences now, uh, and do all that stuff. I think like anything, and actually, it's almost like when you become a father, you go back to the classroom. What I mean by that is you learn by doing. And I think the best learning comes from doing. You make your mistakes, you reflect, you go back, you don't do them again. Try not to make the same mistake twice, of course, I always say to my boys. There is no one way, I think, here, Mike. It depends on the environment, who you're around, where you're living. Um, It also depends very much on where mum and dad are in their lives, different ages. Um, The only thing I probably would say is, and it's like this in all life, having the ability to say that you were wrong and to say you could have done better and to be open to that, to being actually fallible and also saying to your children, I'm sorry, I I messed up. Yeah, I think that's really important. And if I remember rightly, I have a special poem. Yes, Mm -hmm. that's on my fridge and I should read it more probably. Can I read it to you? Because I think think really that would be much better coming from someone else's mouth, through my mouth. Mm. This is uh, the poem. It's by a lady called Diane Lumens, Mm. all right? And it's about what she would do if she could raise her children again. Yeah? Because it goes so fast. Every parent I talk to who have children older than me, they say, make the most of it. So to all those parents out there who have young children now, Heed these words from Diane Lumens. If I had my child to raise over again, I'd build self-esteem first and the house later. I'd finger paint more and point the finger less. I would do less correcting and more connecting. I'd take my eyes off my watch and watch with my eyes. I would care to know less and know to care more. I'd take more hikes and fly more kites. 
I'd stop playing serious and seriously play. I'd run through more fields and gaze at more stars. I'd do more hugging and less tugging. I'd see the oak tree in the acorn more often. I'd be less firm less often and affirm much more. I'd model less about the love of power and more about the power of love. Diane Lumens. And that, I think, is a good summer. Well, my final question is, what would, you, uh, what would your advice be to young people who want to follow their dreams, you know, uh, the usual thing? The usual thing, yeah. You mean the usual thing that they people want to do but they never succeed in? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think large part we grow up in a society that shows us dreams are just dreams and can never really be yeah. achieved unless you're a multi-millionaire or you know something really lucky happens to you yeah so i think i think that's a big problem because that's almost a stereotype that's a, a program playing in a lot of people's minds you know oh, i'm poor as always bills i can never be rich i can never get to what i want immediately you're stopping yourself so i think my advice from my experience would be if you want something then you need to get out of your chair and do something about it okay I'm all up for this kind of waiting for the right time but like I said earlier doing is where we learn the most so if you want to get to your dream then make sure you're very clear on what your dream is Mike because if you're not clear then you're clearly not going to get to it so I think you find most people who are very successful, and I'm not talking about money, but do what they want to do, what their dream is, is it's in their head mentally where they want to go to. Call that a plan, call that a vision, but make that very, very strong. So I think that's, that's the first thing. Get your dream, think about it, vision it, whether it's in your dreams, whether it's in the bath, whether it's on the bus to work, keep that in your mind. The other thing is, is you've got to be ready to face some challenges because you can't just get there like that by just visioning it's not going to happen so you've got to have some resilience you've got to fall down and get back up you've got to grow some as they say you've got to have some fight to you you know and then finally don't ever ever forget that you never get to where you want to get to you will never reach your dream without other people mm. and that's really 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 key to this so make sure you're kind and generous and you help people and you're of service to others. I haven't got here because by myself, my mum and dad helped me, your mum and dad helped me to get here. All those teachers, all those friends you've had in your life, up to this point have got you to where you are today. And so I think we very much need to be very aware of that. And the more aware of it, I think the better people we are on our way to our dreams. So here's to reaching your dreams. Of course, thank you, you're a great inspiration. You are as well, Mike. Thank, thank you, you so much for coming. I think you've done a wonderful job. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. yeah, very nice. Well done. Great uh, questions. Uh, yeah. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. All right, ni hao ma. This music coming from the brave, delicious China side, wrapping you up all around the world. This is all for the people working on that love thing, for that special person in your life. It goes something like this, y'all. Commitments that we have to As 
Progressively sending you my 